Hello, welcome to the Urban Income Podcast. On this episode, we have Curran Wadera, who is the managing partner at Casa Verde Capital, where he leads a team across investment, strategy, fundraising, and portfolio management. Curran sits on the board of more than 10 cannabis companies across the CV portfolio and select strategic partners. Curran spent over a decade in Asia as a senior executive in Goldman Sachs and some other companies. Fun fact, in 2008, Curran placed Snoop Dogg, yes, Uncle Snoop, in his first Bollywood film. This was a fun, wonderful episode. Check it out. Curran, uh, thank you for, for joining the, the show, Urban Income Podcast. And, um, and I got to say, you're, you're super busy. And so it gave me a lot of time to do some research on you and just listening and watching you speak is very, very entertaining. And you know, know a lot of, about this space. Obviously, you're a VC. Um, so would you uh, just introduce yourself? Because we like to hear people talk about themselves, because obviously I could read a bio about you. But um, in your sure. own words, um, why are you a legend? Why am I a legend? I don't know if I would call myself a legend, but uh, I'm Curran Wadira. I'm the managing partner of Casa Verde Capital. We are a fund that invests largely in the cannabis ecosystem. We think it's one of the most compelling, interesting uh, industries of our generation. And we're thrilled that we can play a, a small part in its development. Got it. And you're currently based in, in California, I believe. And so, yeah, but you're, you're a global citizen. So you spent time in Hong Kong, India. Tell us about your background, where you're born. And then do you think any yeah. of that has influenced your success in, uh, in, sure. in Sure. So I'm I'm ethnically Indian. Both my parents were born and raised in India and New Delhi. Um, my I was actually born in Abu Dhabi, which is in the United Arab Emirates, which is where my parents were working. Um, and then we moved to Boston when I was about six years old, uh, and that's largely where I was raised through college. And then from there, um, you know, largely due to work, I moved to New York, San Francisco, Hong Kong. India, uh, and, and now Los Angeles. So I've lived all over the world, spent about a decade in Asia. Um, and yeah, I definitely think my, my gender and, and nationality and, and, and background, uh, ethnicity more, right. I'm American, but, um, has influenced a lot of, of my life. I think, you know, there was a point where I was really keen on getting back to India. Not that I've ever lived there, but I felt like it was important. Um, I wanted to be part of that story and wanted to have the country be part of my story more than just being, like I said, ethnically Indian. So I spent seven years living in Mumbai and uh, I think that was really important for me. Um, and then, yeah, you know, I grew up in like a very white suburban uh, part of Boston where, you know, 99% of the, the, the people around me um, didn't look like me. Uh, and also I was, you know, the son of immigrant parents. So even their expectations were probably deeply rooted more in what, you know, the expectations were in, in India as opposed to sort of, you know, maybe everyone in the, in the U S. So, um, yeah, that was all played uh, a big role in my kind of worldview and outlook and wanting to be accepted. And then also understanding what it meant to be unique and different and embracing that more. So it's definitely been a journey, but, um, you know, I'd say now I'm at a place where I, I feel pretty confident in who I am. 
That's amazing. And then so, you know, fun fact, you brought Snoop Dogg to the first Bollywood film. So how did how does that even work? And I realized that you you you've known him for uh for years. Yeah. And now your partner's in Castle Verde Capital, which is your 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 right. firm, right? So so my my career before Casa Verde was sort of two, you know, uh two paths in parallel. One was really traditional um in finance. I started at Goldman, then um, you know, was at another fund a firm called Nomura, spent about, you know, 12 years in that space. Uh, but then in parallel and even predating my time at Goldman, always been really active as an entrepreneur and investor. And so the first business I started in college uh, did new media consulting for record labels and artists. Now record labels are just one big new media business. But back then, it was still primarily, you know, CDs and whatever else, and they didn't have a digital strategy. Um, and I started working with them while in school and helping them develop that, which, by the way, was, you know, very uh, basic in today's terms of what I was doing. But at the time, um, you know, was was uh, was was differentiated. And so I started working with record labels and artists and Snoop ended up being one of the first people um, I started working with. And so through that, we, you know, developed a, I guess, for me, more or less a lifelong friendship. It's been over 20 years that we've that we've, uh, you know, known each other and, and been friends. But um, that that took many different uh uh, sort of avenues together. So when we were in, um, when I first started working with him in college, it was to help with his record label and all his different initiatives. When I moved to India, I helped place him in a Bollywood movie. It was the first time anything like that had ever happened. You know, a hip hop artist and a Bollywood movie, and then doing a song together and becoming one of the you know bigger songs and movies that year in India. It was it was uh, it was now in retrospect fairly fairly groundbreaking. Um, and then uh, we stayed close and started talking about investments and, you know, things that people were approaching him to put money in. And, you know, it was to his credit and his and his manager at the time that in, you know, 2014, 15, when cannabis was beginning its legalization way of starting with Colorado, that they said, hey, this is an industry we want to be involved with um, and what are the different ways we could get active. Um, and so they had a few different paths they were taking, including this idea of, of a fund. Um, and when, you know, they approached me about it, um, you know, it sounded incredible and, and too good to pass up. And so, um, yeah, that's what I've been doing for the last seven, you know, almost eight years. Yeah. Amazing. Like, and even just looking at your portfolio and sort of from the outside in, um, well, yeah, outside looking like you are investing across the value chain right for from biotech to finance you've got media in there compliance at the top so it's just incredible um you know to to your credit and credit and all of that i think you're gonna you're, you're gonna you're very sticky and and the brands that you've got in there are very sticky and then solving some incredibly hard problems right now especially in the media space, because you know we run um, Growth Skills is my company. Urban Income is the is is the financial media platform um, from a media standpoint. But we launched uh, Flavor Fix, which is uh, the first site that caters to cannabis, CBD, and alcohol, and it's information. Mm-hmm. And just just spending some time in the industry, you see that the 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 need for some of what you're what you're offering, right? So I spoke at. MJ BizCon in Las Vegas, which is one of the largest uh, 
B2B cannabis conferences. And first of all, I thought no, oh, yeah. one, no one would show up. The place was packed. And then specifically in the marketing form, I was so like surprised and honored that you've got like some real serious business professionals leading forward, trying to solve the, the fact that they can't spend, you know, money on Google and Facebook and these platforms to try and actually reach the audience, right? Twitter just opened up a little bit and they're having these, these things. So you've got some very sophisticated companies that you've invested in that, that are doing this exact thing. So do you want to speak more about, more about some of that? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when we launched our fund, we decided that we would focus much more on the ancillary businesses. So technology and services that support the broader industry, rather than too much focus on operations like growing or uh, manufacturing, you know, dispensaries, et cetera. Right. Um, and, and the reason we didn't, yeah, the reason we did that was twofold, right? One, being ancillary protects you from a lot of the issues when you're sort of dealing in, in the license business. Um, so it was a little bit better. You didn't need to spend as much money to get operations going than you would for, let's say, cultivation, which requires land, licenses, equipment, you know, and, 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 and lots of labor. Um, and so we thought it was more scalable. Um, and then to your point, yes, there are just so many challenges um, that are so specific to cannabis um, that traditional, um, uh, you know, businesses can't solve. So to your, to, to, to what you said, you know, all the advertising channels that, you know, if I were just a farbling water brand, I wouldn't have the same issues if I was, you know, uh, manufacturing gummies. Um, uh, and then, and then beyond that, I think what, what we noticed was there was a huge opportunity because the traditional folks weren't in a rush to start coming in. As you mentioned, Twitter now, after you know many, many years, has decided to take the first plunge and step forward versus you know their counterparties. And so I think all of that made it really appealing for us to really target that part of the value chain and say, what can we do to help e-commerce, to financial services on the compliance side, on the staffing side, on the marketing side? There's so many areas that are, that are so relevant and I think that was um, that was how we differentiated ourselves as well. We weren't just doing everything; we were pretty focused on this on this support piece. Now, as we've grown into you know multiple funds and and, and raised a lot more money, um, you know that's allowed us to also to venture out of just focusing on ancillary and seeing where are some of the interesting operating uh, opportunities as well. And so it, for us, that's a large part of that has been in Europe, where we've seen some really exciting opportunities as their legalization wave um, starts the same way as ours did about 10 years ago. And then, so are you going to focus and still double down on cannabis? So for example, I was talking to Jason, Jason Renzek, he's the, uh, Raznik, he's the founder of Benzinga and, you know, they have hundred percent, you know, finance, all that, but they have, they run one of the largest cannabis, um, cannabis conference, investment conferences too, but they have multiple you know, sites that, you know, there's a, a Spanish language cannabis site and, and so on and so forth. So do you ever tap into finance, like, or, or are you focused, focused on in cannabis? Yeah, I think we, look, it's, it's, uh, it's really important to be focused. And I'd say like our focus is pretty big. Um, you know, the cannabis industry has gone from a few billion dollars, $30 billion, just in the span that, that we've been uh, a part of it. 
So I think there is a tremendous amount left to do. Uh, we have dabbled in what I would call sort of cannabis adjacencies. Uh, you know, we've made a small investment in a, in a psychedelics business. Uh, we've looked at sort of manufacturing businesses that could be applied to cannabis in the future. I'd say if if you stay within the realm there, and I think there's a potential for a huge tectonic sort of shift in what cannabis role in society is. You know, if, if you compare it to alcohol, we're still a, a nothing business globally, um, which is a good cop. Similarly with tobacco or pharma or wellness, there's huge, huge chunks of of industry that that we can go after. So uh, it can be tempting sometimes to lose focus or or look outside your your sort of lane, but I think it's important for us to to remain on track. No, that's amazing. And then even the connection with alcohol, you see con- con- Constellation brands and those, they're buying that- into the cannabis companies. And just from a behavior standpoint, like some people like to get cross-faded. They like some weed and they like some wine. And uh, and that's what sure. we've seen, you know, that's what we've seen from from our data and our our platform. One of the things too, how, how do you shake or is there any more, are you finding the stigma of uh of of cannabis and anything that like that, especially like my mom. So my grandmother is Rajasthan. She's from Rajasthan, and so we're Guyanese. So she's half Indian, half Black. And um, this when when we're like, yeah, we're launching this 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 information media platform. She's like, Lavon, you're selling dope. It's like, no, mom. Like, information, mom. And like, and and the thing like people don't really realize is that. We, we get a lot of information on what people search, like different vo- search volumes for keywords from Google, right? So it blew my mind how many people search for the strain names. Like the, some of these strain names have 90,000 monthly searches in the U.S., 110 wow. monthly searches in the U.S. It's enormous volume. And if you rank for a portion in the top three positions of, that, of, of, of something that gets on 90,000 searches, you're going to get a portion of that as website traffic. And then that turns into e-commerce or a lead, whatever you're, what, whatever you're trying to capture. Right. So when I saw that, I was like, I'm in, there's no, there's no other industry that I've seen that has that volume. And, um, and so, so that stigma thing is just like, people are interested <laughs> and the more legalization, they're going to be like, I don't care. I want this plant because it heals me and that's going to increase. But how are you seeing the the stigma side of things? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, uh, it has reduced dramatically even in, in my sort of seven, eight years in the industry, I'd say there's, you know, a lot of anecdotal ways to gauge that, right. Um, in terms of, you know, telling people what you do, which, you know, when I first started with initial, you know, with, with sort of initiate chuckles, to now, you know, just head nods and wanting to learn more to, yeah, how like people like my parents or the community thinks about the space. I think I grew up in Massachusetts. That's where my parents live. As they saw legalization take place where they live, and then they heard their friends talk about how they're thinking about it or utilizing it for their pains, and then other friends thinking about how to invest you know, it, it quickly turned from something that maybe you weren't, you know, publicizing to something that, that, that you would openly speak about. So it's been really fascinating to watch. Uh, and I'd say I'm in a huge bubble living in Los Angeles, working on like a cannabis venture fund. I'm, (laughs) I I feel like 
that's completely removed. Yeah. But um, I would say even as I travel and meet with, you know, conservative, sophisticated investors, I think you'd be surprised at, at how many people have real interest, whether it's pure, purely economical or they have a story. Uh, and the story is can be as as simple as a recreational alternative to alcohol or something they use for sleep or, you know, in, in certain cases, something to, to manage pain for, you know, whether they or someone they're close to is, is you know, recovering from, from cancer or chemotherapy. I mean, there's just so many ways people utilize like this plant right. um, that it, it's, I think the stigma really, really starts to shift when you attach that personal story. And I think more and more people are, are, are really seeing that happen. Amazing. You know what, what I also found too, yeah. like working in this industry compared to the others that I've, that I've worked in, you see that people are really friendly and, and, and want to work with you and together. Even if you're, you're, you're like maybe competing on something, they don't really yeah. care. It's a, it's like, uh, so that, th and this is also like, we launched flavor fix masterpiece. Uh, people reached out to, to talk about 520, which is the cannabis freedom day that he created the movement to really push against, um, to help free people who are incarcerated for like tiny, thick, tiny amounts of, of yeah. weed. And then I replied, I thought it was fake. So I, we replied and they're like, yeah, he'll do an interview. And then we just started talking. When I saw the 520 thing, I was like, wow, this is really, really incredible. Cannabis freedom day is real 520 and it's about education and bringing awareness when you have people locked up for a plant that the system is selling now mm -hmm. we have to focus on more harsh criminals absolutely and, and it's also about helping black farmers understand the culture how to make money how to grow it's a multi-billion dollar uh, industry and we're not benefiting from it. All we're doing is smoking. Right. And, and we want to change that narrative. I love that you're starting this with a purpose that's bigger yes. than... This, this, is, this is a movement. This is bigger than us. And so, but it's not... So that's that one just wild level. But then when you go to the conferences, everyone is just open, willingness to work, to share, exchange ideas. And I just think it's just unique and refreshing. And then, so you're doing a lot. What are you, what are you most proud of? Um, that that you or your your the, the your investments have done the brands that you've invested have have done. What are you most proud of? So I mean I think um, I guess I'm most proud of 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 what we've built right here. Um, you know on a on a very personal side, we've funded some thirty plus companies, created thousands of jobs, um, and we can see the visible impact of everything we do. Um, all over the world, right? You can't walk into a dispensary without um, us having had some impact or touching, um, you know, that store or the, or the industry overall. So um, I'm I'm really proud of that and to have played a role in in this burgeoning industry. Uh, I'm obviously super proud of our entrepreneurs. This is not an easy industry to build a, a business in, and it comes with you know all sorts of issues that we have to face on a a daily basis, and so. It takes real perseverance to to stick around and stick through it, and so you know I'm, yeah I'm I'm in a blessed position, right? I uh, the the entrepreneurs are the are the real sort of stars of the show in, in in our world, and we just get the 
the opportunity to to give them some uh, some support in in helping to build fantastic businesses. And what from a diversity standpoint? What what are your brands? What you know? Um, I think you're big on yeah. that too. What like top two things that you guys are doing to push um social equity? Yeah. Well, you know, it was something we all had to like really look in the mirror and think about what we're doing, you know, over over the pandemic and 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 from all the you know fallout with 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 George Floyd and, and, and Black Lives Lab Matter. I think you know we made it uh, a really important to prioritize, um, you know, the evaluation of you know businesses founded by you know BIPOC founders. Uh, I think that became really important. I think we also made a real commitment that, you know, we would put priority from a recruitment standpoint as well um, for for uh, the, the same community uh, and then doing what we can, you know, in terms of, you know, donating annually to, to causes and, and, and folks who are doing a good job. And that's just what we do on our level. Of course, when you take it down to our companies, you know, it's, it's much more um, uh, involved. So whether it's companies like Dutchy or, or LeafLink and working with uh, groups like Last Prisoner, Prisoner Project, um, to you know, we uh, have a have a great business called Banks, which is a staffing and recruiting business, which is you know um, looking to continually support and educate when it comes to both you know uh, underrepresentation, you know, from communities of color or LGBTQ communities, and working towards you know a inclusive industry. Uh, so, I, and then and then you know even even brands you know on on our side like like Miss Grass, which is a Cannabis brand that focuses, you know, particularly on on, on female consumers, you know, devotes a big part of their flat platform to feature, um, you know, content around, you know, equity and, you know, donating purchases to nonprofits for certain months. And so I think it's it's important. We all realize that there's a there's a huge disconnect between the people who have been disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs and those who are benefiting from it now. Um, as legalization happens, so trying to to bridge that in any way we can is is very important. And obviously, you know, even even at Casa Verde, as, as, as founders, we're, we're we're all people of color as well. So it it it, it all resonates and hits home. That's amazing. And um and so for anyone not listening, I mean listening, Dutchy is basically like Drizzly. Your your um. There are people could this delivery right of uh of of cannabis. It's like I I would describe it as like yeah some combination of like Shopify and Toast and also uh like a like a Drizzly in that it facilitates e-commerce so that could be both pickup and delivery right um or dispensaries but then um you know app but Dutchie now is also the largest point of sale business um in cannabis. So, uh, you know, what you're interacting with when you walk into the store and and exiting as well, um, that's now obviously a a big part of their business as well. So yeah, it's a, it's a big part of the the, the cannabis industry. Would they ever get into alcohol for doing this exact same thing for distilleries and those types of brands? I don't think so. Um, you know, again, there, there already is an, an existing, um, framework, but you never know. I, I think that the, the important part is a lot of what the point of sale does that's specific to cannabis is a lot of the compliant reporting uh, back right. to the government. Right. Uh, and so as and when that happens with alcohol, it could certainly make sense. I think as new industries come online that are highly regulated, um, we could also be there. 
but again, to your to your earlier question, right? Uh, I think everyone is just hyper focused, right? Uh, but yes, the ability to take what we've learned and what we've built and apply it to other industries is certainly there. It's just, um, you know, do you have the resources and bandwidth um, to dedicate to that while you're also solving, you know, a lot of the, the issues in the cannabis space? Absolutely. And so, what what advice would you give? Um, anyone trying to break into the field and, and, and get into cannabis, because I think there are a lot of talented people, especially they've, they've lost all sorts of tech jobs right now. I think yeah. space needs that talent. And I think if Absolutely. you get in here fast, you're going to, you know, reap the reward. I think, yeah. I think what people will, will, will realize once they try is that, you know, again, sort of referencing your earlier point, like we're, we're fairly, open-minded and receptive industry, you know, we're going through our own struggles as anyone is right now in this sort of macro environment. Um, but I'd say like, it's a lot easier to get us on the phone or set up a meeting. And, and um, you know, I think there are going to be many, many jobs uh, created in the cannabis industry. And, and that's one of the reasons we, we invested in, in, in as business banks, which is the largest sort of staffing, recruiting sort of HR tech platform for the yeah. space. Uh, because that's, you know, one of the, one of the most important parts of it is, is getting people, you know, into the industry. Right. So they are, um, they are a, a great place to start for anyone who's, who's thinking about, you know, coming into the industry is, is, is visit them at V-A-N-G-S-T um, and, and look them up. Otherwise, you know, in general, there are a fair amount of, you know, community events that are happening in, in, in cities around the country, um, you know, always a good place to sort of show up and, and get to know people. Um, and, and like we said, we're always, in general, as an industry, looking to bring more and more great talent into the mix. Yeah, and so that's amazing. And so you're a successful VC um, entrepreneur. You went to Babson, uh, which is the number I mean, one entrepreneur school uh, in the world. Um, what habits, you know, for people listening, we're trying to for our, on urban income, we're trying to get them into very good habits for and and learn the skills to earn, save, and invest. And um, so what right. good habits do you have or routines that, that you recommend others that, are, that have, has led to this level of success? I think the biggest thing I did that really started helping me um, think about money was, was starting to invest um, pretty early on, basically right as I left college is when I first started investing. So, you know, I was working at Goldman Sachs. I was on an equities floor. We're talking about stocks day in, day out. Um, and, you know, it felt kind of crazy that I wasn't doing anything myself. So, you know, we opened up accounts internally and started actually buying into these these businesses that we were super excited about. Um, and I think that just, it's a very scary thing to do initially, just like parting with your money in any way, <laughs> right? <laughs> for for, uh, for the hope to get more later is right. scary, um, no matter how risky the investment is or isn't. Um, but that first step, I think, uh, health, I think what I would have done differently is I wish I had made like a real plan of what I was doing. It was a lot more ad hoc and I was lucky. I did well, I made some money, whatever, whatever. But, um, you know, I think there's a lot of, of simple things you can do a as soon as possible, even when, you know, you're in high school or, or earlier, the minute you start earning any dollars, which is to start, you know, even just putting it into the market a simple ETF and, um, you know, continually having a plan there. Um, you know, what I did was kind of like swing for the fences at different moments, as opposed to having something 
a lot more um, just conservative that was also there. And I think the reality is every portfolio, every person needs to have like a good mix um, that that works for them. Uh, and so I'd, I'd say that's one of the things that um, you know I wish I'd done sooner or kept doing um, because the earlier you start, the just the, the more you know leverage and flexibility you, you build in for yourself and. You know, when you, when you reach a certain age, that's what you're what you're really looking for. Got it. And as you matured in in your investing, where did you? What sources of information did you learn from? Was it like a couple books, apps, any podcasts? Where did you learn? Yeah, I mean, I'd say you know, I I read a lot when I was younger, and that was much more around wanting to understand markets. So you know, reading you know Warren Buffett books to um, a lot of uh, biographies on entrepreneurs. I was I was really fascinated with understanding how people did what they did. Um, and it was a lot harder to figure that out when you were younger. Um, whereas today, I mean, there's just, you know, including this podcast, right? Just infinite resources to learn from. You don't have to leave your couch and you can, and you can sit and listen to some of the smartest people in the world talk about a host of subjects. Um, and so now, yeah, I'm, I, Every every moment I get, I have you know, a hundred episode queue ready to go for podcasts <laughs> of, of things I want to listen. I don't know if I'll ever get through it, but um, yeah, I think that's that that that's where I was able to do it. And then look, real learning only comes from doing and, yeah. and executing. Really, you have to lose money, you have to make money, you have to take risks, you have to start a business like. There is no, there is no education like, you know, actual, uh, uh, you know, utility of being in the field. So I would, I would highly recommend, you know, where you can and people have the ability to, you know, any small thing you can do towards um, learning, working, mentorship, internships, etc. That's that's the real way to 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 get a sense of of uh, of what's possible. Absolutely. On on that note. Um... You know, if anyone listening to this is there and they have has an, uh, a desire to want to either enter or mentor, be a mentee of you and your 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 uh, wonderful company or the the businesses you invest in, is that an option? And how would they reach out to you? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we have a um, website and a contact page. That's like the simplest way where you can communicate with us and the entire team is on it and we look at it every single day and it comes right into all our inboxes. That's the best way just so it's not being directed at one person and anyone can sort of pick up on it and, and be helpful where they can. Reach me on LinkedIn or, you know, um, you know, we the, the program I was mentioning earlier on on on, on sort of like the mentorship, you know, that that we have and uh, you know, is something we call community. You can go to community or email community at Casa Verde Capital. Any any way you you think you'd uh, see us sort of online, we are incredibly responsive and active. So happy to be to be helpful in any way we can. And if if uh, someone wanted to pitch you, uh, how would they do that? And then on top of that, how are you getting deal flow? Like how are you how are you finding new uh, to, and founders to to talk to? Yeah. So look, same avenue. We have we have uh, 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 the the same sort of page you would go to on our website. Um, is there for people to sort of fill out um, uh, information about their businesses and, and send it to us. Um, that That is a great way to do it because 
we pool and store and report all that information and it's, and it's organized in a way for us to digest it really quickly. Uh, and also it requires some level of effort, which is what it should require if you want to pitch someone and ask for their money. Uh, so I think that's, that's um, one venue if, you know, and the, the best, no matter what, and, and, and it's difficult, obviously, um, you know, is obviously there's a more connection to us, right? I'd say we've done this analysis as to sort of where our portfolios came from. You would be surprised. There's a there's there's only a handful, but a few have been completely cold, and some of our biggest investments, believe it or not, um, and then the others have been, you know, through some uh, you know warm lead, whether from the existing portfolio or an investor or someone in our in our sort of uh, you know community. And and what I would say to that is, you know. While if you don't have that connection, that that's not that's a, that's, a, that's kind of a frustrating thing to hear. Um, but again, doing the work to get connected to us or one of the our sort of warm connections and reaching out and try to set up a phone call or doing anything like that is just the the step it takes to to, to make it that much more likely. Uh, but yeah, that's that's generically how we've been sort of sourcing deal flow. We've been in the space now for seven eight years with a pretty robust network. Um, so I'd like to think we see. Um, if not every cannabis deal, hopefully most of them. Got it. And then just a pro tip for anyone listening, mm -hmm. there, there are tools like Seamless AI where you could sign up and basically find anyone's contact information. So if you're, if you're trying to pitch a VC or anyone in the world, basically use, use a tool like that, Seamless.ai, um, and yep. get their, get their information that way. Um, and then, so, any advice you would give give back to your your younger self about like how to be successful faster? Uh, any words? I mean, I'm first trying to get in into the seamless AI now. I didn't realize you can get anyone's contact information. That's oh, going to help what? me too. Oh, we need to talk. <laughs> we need to talk. Hey, I'll send I'll send um, you some stuff, and I'll show you some stuff. Cause like, yeah, that's cool. I'd love to see. Um, look. I'll tell you something that has been really valuable to me, and it's really simple, um, simple to say, harder to do, which is to keep, you know, burn as low as possible in life where you can. Um, we all want to look for ways for more passive income and increase revenue here and do whatever. Amazing if you can do it. Uh, but another way is, you know, if you keep your your lifestyle as light as possible, again, it's just so much optionality. You know, I, I, I don't think I would have had the courage to, you know, jump into an industry like this and and leave my job and you know, um, kind of go without income for for many years if I hadn't built up a little bit of a nest egg and 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 done that primarily by keeping my 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 spend and burn low. You know, there's a balance. The idea is not to not have a fun and great life. That's that's important. But you know, if you can live in a smaller place, or you know, uh, you know, all these kind of like major expenses, if you can keep them 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 lighter and have the ability to to keep burn low, when you when you transition into something that's higher risk and potentially with less or even no income, you know, trying to transition out of a high burn lifestyle to a low burn lifestyle is very difficult. Um, and it's just, it's like, you know, whereas not needing to transition from that at all and already having been low burn is just really helpful from a, from a mental standpoint. So by, you know, 
for, for sake of definition, meaning like just keeping your expenses yeah. as low as possible. So I was going to say that. So what, what, what Kern's right. talking about is your income versus your expenses and everyone's saying earn more money, earn more money. But if you actually manage what you spend, that's a, a, a huge way of doing this. I was literally talking with uh, Beth Peretta, who's the founder of Peretta Autosport um, yesterday on for the Urban Income podcast. And she told me this story because I was like, how do you like do this audacious dream of starting like your racing team? And then and then she she built her the first female Ford racing team. And I met her last year at the Indy 500. Wow. Mind blowing. The whole, the whole thing is just insane. So she was like, Val, first of all, I listened to my parents when they when they told me about expenses, like about all of this. And I was like, I didn't. So I hate that. And then she was like, I sold my house. I downgraded. I, I managed my burn. I managed my my expenses very, very low. Give me the ability to actually build my dream and go at it. And she's like, I still drive this car, eight-year-old car that it's paid for, but like, I'm not gonna, I don't, that's it. <laughs> I don't care. She, and 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 she's like, that sort of habit and behavior and thinking, yeah, what mind shift. It's so and it's so and it's so undervalued because we're like, especially in America, we're in such a consumer-driven economy and we're just being sold and marketed to and made made to feel less than if we don't have a certain car or apartment or watch or clothes, it's, it's ridiculous, you know? And it's, so it's a very, I don't, by any, you know, way proclaim to be that it's, that's easy to do, but if you're a young person, right. And when you leave college, I mean, you're happy to sleep on a couch and, you know, do whatever, like you're, you're already more accustomed to the low burn lifestyle when you're younger. So keeping that going as long as possible without obviously, you know, uh, you know, uh, shunning off your friends or anything like that, uh, I, I think is, is just so, so helpful. Um, and it's something that's like in our control, right, the, the, right. I could, I could want to make three times as much money as I make now. Right. That's easier said than done, but yeah. I can, if I, if I choose to reduce my, my, my burn by, you know, 50%, it's, it would be hard and it's challenging, but you were actually in control of your ability to do that, where otherwise, sometimes it's it's much more difficult. Yeah, I think that is probably one of the 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 best points um, that we can make. It's the control. You can't control a lot of things, but you could control what you spend, right? And um, you, and even take it as far as building your own personal budget, like you would build for a company or whatever you have to run. Um, and and. Uh, and to, to to that point, right? It's it's applicable everywhere. Right. Having that mindset is so helpful if you're trying to start a business, if you're trying to assess a business, et cetera. And even now in this moment where, you know, even as VCs, our our focus has turned much more to sustainability, endurance, um, profitability than growth. Right. You know, which it was for so long. Grow, grow, grow at any expense. That is not where we are today. Yeah. Um, and it's a it's an important lesson because it always comes back to those fundamentals, right? A good business is one that earns a lot more than it spends. For so long, we've been living in a world where these companies are being, being valued more and more and more at, at the same time burning tremendous amounts of capital. So it's a lesson we all have to relearn at times too. So, and, uh, and you know, I'm, I'm no different. Yeah. And I think, I think the, one of the last points we'll make is that you can start at any time. It's not, it's not too late. So start now, take it serious and, and find, 
find, you know, we have pillars to, about um, earning, saving, and investing, but that that saving, that lowering your expenses is probably the most important. And I think everyone's like, get a side hustle, do this, do that, do that. But like, yeah, the the smartest thing I've heard in in a long time is is on the the keeping your burn low. So that's amazing. Um, I'll leave you with this last question. If there is one person um, you thought we would benefit, uh, our audience would benefit from being on this show and um, and dropping gems, who who would it be? Who should oh, we use wow. say hi and cold cold outreach? <laughs> Um, I mean, there's so many amazing people, you know, uh, if you want to hear about like, you know, hustle stories, uh, you know, even with our portfolio, you know, we have a fantastic entrepreneur, Carson Humiston. She, you know, built banks, the business I talked about earlier, um, complete scratch, bootstrapped right out of college, um, and has, you know, now built like a really incredible organization. And has learned tremendously along the way. I think she's like a really strong um, example of, you know, there's no like particular path to any of this. <laughs> it's just how dedicated and motivated you are um, and, and being ready to like hustle and take risks. Um, okay. And so she's awesome. She's a, a great entrepreneur and, um, you know, someone I think would be really valuable to, to hear from. Amazing. Amazing. Um... We'll have her on the show. <laughs> All right. Let's go. Connect you. Amazing. I appreciate that. All right, Kern. It was fantastic. This is this is this has been fun. Um, I definitely want to show you some stuff around those keywords because I think all oh yeah, all please. Your, I think all your, your portfolios would, would benefit from that. Um I didn't just awesome. my mind was like, wow, who what? I have yeah, I have no idea. Please. You know? Um very cool. So yep, that's it, everyone. Um by. Thank you for watching and listening to this episode of the Urban Income Show. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube, follow us on social, and visit urbanincome.com.